Hello, Ruth. Hello. Uh, very pleased to be here with you. This is our first conversation today, and I reached out to you because of your trauma, IFS, and polyvagal nervous system spiral graphic that um, I think we'll be seeing quite a lot throughout this whole video. I just really love the way you put those two models of parts and nervous system together. And I want to talk about that today with you. And I would love it if you could just give us like a two to five minute introduction to the graphic so that people who haven't seen it kind of know what it's about. But if they want more depth, they can always watch your video. Mm, sure. Yeah. And, and even, you know, Lucas, even download the because there's a free PDF of it on my website, so they can even download it and kind of refer to it as we as we talk. Yeah. So, um, oh, you've also, got it here. Wow. I, yes, I do have it available. Oh, well, that makes life much easier, doesn't it? Yes. So, um, yeah, well, I'll come to just a little bit about why this happened. I was working with constellations and, and the body and noticing that when I was working with trauma, because the, the constellations I was doing were uh, uh, trauma constellations to do with the, um, uh, the parts inside us, the splits we have, the way our survival strategies, the way we cope. And I was seeing that people were getting dysregulated and I really wanted to understand more because this form of trauma constellations I found wasn't quite safe. I wanted to really work more with the body. So of course, then I found Dana's work, which is just fantastic and started to put it together with internal family systems, which was the new way I was working, bringing that into constellations mm. and just put the two side by side. And by working in these workshops with people and referring to what was going on in their body, I found there was much more regulation, slowing down, really coming, paying attention, not just to the, the parts, but also what's happening now. So yeah. on the left-hand side, we have the internal- well, I'll, I'll put it up so, mm, so we yeah. can talk here. Thank you. That, here we go. Yeah, so on the left-hand side, we have the internal family systems structure, looking at protectors and exiles and self. So I'll come to that in a minute. And on the right-hand side, we have the polyvagal theory areas, which I've been a, a tiny bit loose with, and I'll come to that in a minute, uh, which is much more around the nervous system and the way that we cope, we manage when we have to uh, deal with danger. And down the center is my very simplified way of, of understanding these different places, which when somebody is dealing with extreme uh, dysregulation or overwhelm or, um, you know, the kind of uh, um, the way that trauma can affect the brain, it just these very simple little words can access uh, a, a sensation, a feeling. And they are based on, uh, again, another model. All this is pulling together other people's models. And then I've added some, some pieces uh, to, to make it complete. And so on the, if we go on the left-hand side, um, you'll see we have um, the green space, this green zone at the bottom. And in the UK, this is like traffic lights, red, yellow, green. Um, I know in some countries it's not the same. For Deb Dana, it's not the same. She's in uh, in Canada, and it's the other way around. So this doesn't make sense to her, and her work is the other way around. Yeah, in but, Germany, um, in Germany, it's this way too. So in, this is always the way we talk about it. 
Great, yeah. And I know Stephen Porges also put the uh, put it this way around originally as well. So we have this lovely green zone where we we're regulated. We can find um, we can find safety. And if we have to go up, which we have to, we don't want to get rid of these fight, flight, and free states. It's part. It's very normal and natural. We need them to to cope with what's going on. If we need to go up the spiral, we can come back down again. So ideally, we would have enough of this lovely um, basis in that we've developed through good uh, um, learning in early in life that we can move up and down this spiral very so easily. in in a very simple visual way this is the way we talk about it in the holistic bodywork training it's like yeah i may go up i may even go all the way up yeah. but i can come back down exactly precisely and you see how different this is from the um window of tolerance model which uh, i this is actually why this happened this why this came about because the window of tolerance didn't make sense to me where you have regulation in the center and you have hyper arousal which would be my yellow zone above and hypo arousal which would be my red zone below mm -hmm. because we don't go through a regulated place between those two no we go up and and if we can't fight yeah. or flee so if we don't if we can't manage to to cope in the in the central section uh, by fighting or running away we have to go to freeze yeah. and so, and this understanding which i imagine will be really important because this is one of the more important and more interesting things i want to talk about with you yeah. the freeze protectors is the as we go up yes it looks like there's less energy because people get more collapsed more fr frozen but actually in the nervous system this is the most available energy is when the nervous system is an i'm almost dead uh, zone when we're in the red it's like yeah. but it looks like there's not much energy in the body from the outside yeah well it, it certainly can be um and it all depends where you are in the freeze i mean freeze is a mm -hmm. very broad you know if you've gone into collapse if you've gone into a faint uh, that, that's because the energy is so big, it's unbearable. So the body actually has to cut it off. On the other hand, we might be in a functional freeze where we are, we look very shut down, but there'll be hypervigilant parts all uh, happening as well. So I'm very aware that it's rare that we, and this is why it fits so beautifully with internal family systems, where there are many parts, we're not, we don't just have one thing operating, many parts are involved in every situation and it all depends yeah. on the different levels that are operating so um we may have we may be in the functional freezer freezer appearing very shut down but our hypervigilant protectors or or, or um uh, self-critic ones are, are really going hammering at us mm -hmm. so shall i swap a little to the left hand side is that too soon to to swap over i don't know how short you want to be with um, no, introducing swap. these two we, I think we'll, we'll then do the details later. Yeah. So if we compare it on the left hand side, starting again in this in this um, green zone, this is where we have enough connection to our, uh, our, our self energy, which in internal family systems, it's that very dark green zone at the bottom. It's a place of being, it's not a place of doing. So you can see actually the circular areas on my on my model are more of places of being. It's like mm -hmm. the essence of this pure hurt, pure emotion, or pure mm -hmm. in in the in the I hurt zone, the exile zone, which is not part of polyvagal, which is why it's a separate color. Um, or the I am again, not part of polyvagal. This this essence, this soul, this inner light, inner knowing, where we can. It's a reservoir, if you like, of of presence clear 
calm, connected and compassionate. So if we have this connection to our soul reservoir, our inner light, we can move with whatever needs to happen. We can, all our parts that are being creative or playful or challenged can, can do what they do. If we need to go into fight flight, if we need to freeze, we still have this connection to I am, which is why you see the spiral. It has its roots right down there in I am. Mm -hmm. We can always come back to that, even if it's been hidden, even if it's been um, uh, very hidden, by trauma that's happened to us, it is there, it's always there in all of us. So there we have the green zone where we would like to spend much of our lives, but then things happen. Uh, of course, we get activated, there are emergencies, we need to go into the I must zone, into the fixed zone, and here our fixed protectors will jump into action by uh, running away, by um, uh, by hiding, by, by being a perfectionist, whatever they need to do. In the moment, that's fine. But when we get stuck there, that's where we get ADHD or OCD or become um, become a cynical person or, or whatever it is that we're doing. These are doing parts to protect ourselves. Similarly, if we can't fix it there, if we can't sort it out, one of the ways we may cope, you know, learn to cope is to go into these freeze protectors, which I've divided into two, collapse and submit. So the, the pure freeze, this collapse, and that's the dorsal vagal. This is the, 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 the pure uh, space of it's absolutely impossible to, to cope. So I have to cut off completely. And um, there we might see um, ways that are to do with utterly detaching and really not functioning in life. But of course, we can't sustain that. You can't live and faint. I mean you come out of the faint <laughs> but if the situation has not improved after our faint we'll either learn to cope with some permanent or semi-permanent fight flight protectors in action or in this submit zone where it's it's a space of i can't sort it out i have no hope of sorting it out so i will just have to continue by cutting off so this is where maybe somebody becomes, I mean, I've even worked with somebody who was a, they call it a voluntary mute in English. So literally, I, I, this young person had decided not to talk. That was their way of completely cutting off depersonalization, um, all, all the different ways that we, we just kind of, it's a, it physically, it's got this kind of uh, folded in numbness, I'll just carry on. You can see it with people that are either like this, or if they're in fight, fight, they're much more kind of, trying yeah. you can really see it in in what zone they might be stuck if they haven't got that resilience to come down back down to to the green zone and that's so, really so, what it's about resilience yeah so it could even be in the way i think about it so that's one of the questions i have for you it would be that large parts of somebody or many parts of somebody are frozen but some parts will still act on top of that freeze that's so right. it is some of parts are here, but some are kind of going into the green or orange zone and they, they, they can still sustain, but it's, but so much of the life energy is cut off, frozen. Yeah, um, exactly. Caught. Yes. The life energy. That's exactly it. It's what they call a functional freeze. You're still yeah. going, you're functioning, but you are, but you're frozen off. And what we see when people come to therapy, I mean, depression is a perfect functional freeze. 
I, I had to cut my feelings off. And because of all those feelings are in the exiles. And again, that's not part of polyvagal theory. This is where the feelings of, of rage or terror or grief that didn't get the help it needs that we all need in order to recover from shocks. It got stuck. It had to be put in this reservoir of feeling and pushed away, either pushed away by, by doing stuff to try to fix it or pushed away by freezing it off. And so that's why the protectors all the way around it on this model, you can see the hurt reservoir is surrounded by red and yellow. Mm -hmm. They're all trying to keep the hurt away or mm. keep the hurt from more hurt. So they're all trying to, that's all their job is to keep that emotion uh, safe from, from even worse. Yeah, so, so, just, so that's why this is also has a background color. It is kind of independent of the, of the red, uh, yellow, green, it's kind of on a slightly different layer. It's this That's bottled right. up emotion and in my understanding also bottled up nervous system activation because usually the emotion comes with a specific flavor of nervous system activation, but it's kept away. And then whatever the system needs to do, be that freeze or be that um, fight flight fixing will be done to stay away from this. Yeah. That's right. And often it's held in the body. So that nervous system activation becomes physical pain or, or um, gets uh, put into, um, well, the chronic illness, I think slightly different, but yeah, physical pain often that's how exile energy is stored. Yeah. So that the nervous system do doesn't have to activate because it couldn't. So the energy goes into the pain. Yeah. yeah. So that sounds like a very, powerful place to just move. I want to try and just um, do this slightly bit uh, in a slightly different colorful way. So we see we in my in my drawing, I do a lot of drawings. Uh, there are these exiles that are basically in pain. And then around the exiles, there will be protectors forming to keep this exile away tucked away. And in your in your way of looking at it, these exiles would the, uh, these protectors would then some have more freeze strategies, mm -hmm. but they actually do they try to keep this exile safe and try to not have it activated. And some would have more fix strategies, yeah. and they do the same thing. They just use different strategies. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Just... Yeah. And so when we see uh, um, when people say oh which one am i well you'll have you'll we'll have all of those we'll have parts doing different things uh, and one of the most beautiful examples in is in chronic fatigue for example the effect on the body is a collapse so so the body is going into a, a free state but mm -hmm. they'll still have and we all every chronic fatigue person i've ever worked with i've always got these revving up parts these parts that are trying go 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 do it and and they're draining all the resources from the body so the body says no yeah so and I, I imagine i look a little bit strange because i have a lot of light coming in right now <laughs> like um, an angel lucas <laughs> oh isn't that beautiful <laughs> i am only an angel i am not spiritually bypassing at all um, <laughs> but and um, what i really like about that way of looking at chronic fatigue would basically be so much of my life force is in freeze the few parts that are still going are basically pushing incredibly hard to keep the body going at all. But all that does is to just constantly burn 
all the survival energy I have until there is nothing more to burn. Yeah. And then it's just. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's it. And that uh, hurts. It, yeah. There's so much that, that of understanding why the body's doing what it's doing when, when we see this combination of activity, the doing parts, these three straight lines and, and the, and the circular ones, the, the essence, the life essence, the life energy and the life energy that got locked in pain in, in that reservoir of, of exiles. Yeah. And, and I, I didn't fully understand or appreciate that when I first interacted with your drawing, but I really loved this element of the, the filled in forms of I am, I am self, but also I am hurt are really kind of the essential um, qualities that we can also usually be most identified with. We can be very identified with our protectors, but our exiles have a different um, quality of identification to them. So I really like this. This is really where our, our essence, our substance yes. can often lie. Yeah. And of course, it's who we truly are, that essence. Yeah. So the, the one thing I just wanted to talk about first, just so I get it clear in my, main, in my brain, is this submit element, because that's a word I've never heard in the polyvagal um, space before. And I'm just curious, this submit is a hypo-aroused sympathetic nervous system. Can you just say a few more words mm. around that? Yeah, I think there are different words um, used for submit. Um, I mean, some people know it as fawn, but fawning mm -hmm. is not all it is. Certainly in, in English, my, my understanding of fawning is kind of, is, is really giving in and, and, and um, uh, um, you know, making, making other people doing their will. But of course, submit has other, other things as well. So mm -hmm. depression, it's a form of submit, but I'm submitting to my own uh, shutdown, not somebody else's. Um, and that's not really fawning. Um, similarly, um, hoarding would be a, fi a, fi a form of submit, you know, where you just close your your life down. And I live next door to to a, a person whose just house is just full of stuff, and he can hardly move. And it's a it's a kind of shutdown. So he's still functioning. Mm -hmm. He's submitted to these feelings are overwhelming, there is nothing I can do. So yeah. I will numb off. Spiritual bypassing is an interesting one. I think maybe you've got a, a, a previous version of the spiral there because I saw it's in two different places, but it should be, uh, for me, it's on the on the top. Uh, so I can send you the latest version. But um, the I, I updated every so often as, oh, I want to fit a little more in. Um, but spiritual bypassing is an interesting one because it can look super... Um, you know, I'm I'm a guru. I'm always meditating. I'm I'm in you know always doing yoga or whatever. But of course, if you're not feeling your feelings, if you're even even something like Buddhism, you know, if you're just saying, oh, you know, I'll just notice them and let them go, let them go, they don't get the attention they need. It's a form of submitting of just I I can't do anything about these awful feelings, so I will just pretend I can let them go. Yeah. Yeah. And when you when you describe it like that, I, I I'd always just known it as fawn in the kind of polyvagal state space. Mm -hmm. But I I do like the word submit. I was just trying to to um, get clear on what it is. And 
it is interesting because basically when you also describe it as hypo aroused it means the sympathetic nervous system is still keeping me going yes but it's but it's not actually getting all that energy up but it's just functioning on a very low level That's in right. those places yes Yes, exactly. So we're still we're still going. Uh, we've still got the sympathetic. Uh, and I was I chatted to Stephen Porges about this. We exchanged some emails about exactly how this works. Uh, that that it's not the same as dorsal vagal, which is where you go into parasympathetic. It is the um, still in sympathetic. There is the drive energy, but it's been it's had to be turned right down to to manage. So even something like over analyzing, you know, being incredibly intellectual and analyzing. All those emotions absolutely shut off and just living in this tiny little part of the brain. That's a form of submit. So it's not a fawn. It's, submit for me is fawn plus, 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 you know, some other things mm -hmm. going on as well. Yeah. And would just to, uh, would Stephen Paul just say these, these things we don't feel, the feelings we don't feel, there is some dorsal vagus, vagal activity there and the sympathetic arousal or would he just say it's a different way of well, looking he, at it he says you're either in one or the other I, i'm not okay. an expert on, on that so i can't say but it's certainly what i say is it's got a dorsal vagal uh, energy a feeling of dorsal mm -hmm. but you're still doing stuff yeah okay that makes sense so i understand that and um yeah i the two the two alleys i would like to walk down with you today um, would be really this quality of having these two maps next to each other, having the map of this is my body. These are kind of the three main survival functions in my body. I can either be in, uh, in my ventral vagus, I can be uh, regulated, connecting with people, I can be in my fight flight, or I can be in my, in my freeze uh, dorsal vagus or submit. And looking at, we all have many parts mm. and different parts see the world very, very differently. They will react to different situations differently, almost automatically. What's your perspective on the advantage of looking at both of these maps simultaneously when we, when we live our life as, as human beings? Yeah. Well, using it clinically has been um, an eye opener. I've learned so much. Um, just working with clients using it. So for example, I'm, I might never introduce it with clients or I might bring it right at the beginning or maybe sometime later, it all depends on them. So if, if I have a, somebody maybe who loves to understand things and analyze, this is a great way in because it allows them to see why they're having emotions and therefore de-shames, you know, oh, right. Mm -hmm. So through the science, I can start to understand what these emotion things are and start to approach them. Um, similarly, if somebody gets very overwhelmed and, and are, are full of, I don't understand why this is happening, why am I so anxious, just understanding it. So it can really, that bit of psychoeducation can allow them to connect to parts or open to parts, having had the, the science uh, part of it. Um, and then the other, the other place I find it really useful clinically is if somebody comes with, uh, for example, depression, very, the feelings have been shut down, they may well have had the experience of going to therapy before, often they've been to therapy before. And what happens is when they come out of the depression, 
or they, they start to they mm. start to encounter so the depression lifts a little because maybe there's connection with a therapist they start to feel some hope the depression just the depressed parts as they would call it the parts that are are shutting everything down mm -hmm. uh, those submit parts they start to relax a little because they feel some connection with the therapist some hope and then all of a sudden in rush the the fight flight protectors because it's not safe so they start feeling the feelings of the uh, um, exiles. They start feeling all these emotions and they start feeling the fight flight energies, maybe rage at a parent or whatever. Whoa, that's way too much. That's overwhelming. So shut down again, leave therapy. You'll have seen it many times. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's why people often don't carry on with therapy. So by understanding that this is going to happen, that that we, we do need to come back. You can't go from, from freeze straight to self-regulation you're going to have to encounter and process these trapped feelings both the i hurt um exiled feelings and also some of those angry or or um uh, self-critical you know the, the 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 inner critic may come very loud once they come out of depression um and by understanding this is going to happen and it's very normal this is the shape of the psyche this is who we are all these parts have positive intentions Whoa, okay, it starts to become possible because we just titrate it. And of course, self is there. Mm -hmm. So clinically, it's really useful. Um, but also where you've got parts in, um, in uh, what do you call it, uh, in polarity, because that can be very difficult to understand for, for a client. The, why am I doing this, you know, eating all the cake, for example, um, you know, I want, I want to not be overweight, but I just keep doing it. So I have a binge firefighter who's just like, I must shut this off by, by going into wonderful numbing trance. The moment I eat a keg or when I'm eating, oh, I feel numb and I can't feel my feelings. It's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, and then you've got the critic in fight flight. Like, stop, stop, get healthy. You're going to die. Yeah. So there, there's polarities and understanding where they fit in the, in the model can bring extra understanding to, to the very difficult polarities. Does, does that kind of explain that, that makes, how I might that, use it? That makes a lot of sense. I, I, I really like the psychoeducation uh, element of it because I, I personally find that IFS is one of the most psychoeducation friendly uh, approaches I've ever met. It's just able to be, yeah, we all have parts and being able to explain things just in parts language makes it so accessible to people but i but i do really like the element of adding kind of the natural nervous system curve yeah. to it and the way i look at it and this is influenced through the work of lawrence heller who who tries to understand the the nervous system as life and life force so we have the most life force in in our ventral vagus and then uh, in, in our sympathetic, we, we have access to less of our life force variety. And then in freeze, we have access to even less of our life force variety. And actually that this movement coming down from freezing, submitting into anger or fear or the feelings that may be underneath and the protectors that may be underneath is already a step into more life force. Yeah. But it will probably feel way worse than it was up there. Yes. <laughs> and, yeah. and I think that uh, understanding that perspective can be so tricky, but so freeing to yeah. be able to, to understand, oh, yeah, this feels worse. 
but that's mostly because I'm feeling more and it's actually a step in the right direction. Yes. And, and it also allows us to calibrate the understanding of, well, both what's happening in me when I, when I, uh, say a, a part has taken over, you know, a um, compulsively tidying part or whatever it is. I don't have that one, by the way. Uh, I wish I did. <laughs> I don't wish I did. <laughs> um, if when a part has taken over, understanding what's happening in my body, you know, the rush of energy or the, the so, so by being able to track what part might be taking me over by what's happening in my body gives me another way in. So sometimes I track what's happening in my body through my parts. Sometimes I pack, track my parts through what's happening in my body. So it's a lovely mm -hmm. way into understand self-compassion, self-connection. Um, and the life force, yeah, I wanted to say something about the life force energy that you mentioned. Hmm, it's gone. It'll come back. Yeah, I, I actually do think that is interestingly because you, you in, in the five minutes we talked beforehand, you said, I might want to mention attachment at some point in time, because I do think that that life force and resiliency question and attachment is where, where the Lawrence Helen Nam perspective has some of the most interesting answers to some of the things that I think IFS is not explaining the easiest. Like why do, why do we develop certain, um, especially freeze protectors in early childhood and um, when that's all we have available through the non perspective, I really like the perspective. Um, but um, before I want to go there, I, wh what you just mentioned about being able to track what my parts through my body, track my body through my parts, um, brings me to one of those really interesting questions that I don't know anybody can answer, but it's one I ask myself regularly, which is, is what's happening in my body and my nervous system the same thing on a different layer that's happening in my parts? Like my body, my parts and my body are, are look at the same thing on different levels, or is it that my parts use my body? Is it that my body activates parts? How how is that? And I wonder what your perspective on that is. Well, yeah, interesting question. I'd probably say it's multi-layered um, because of what happens to us purely externally. You know, we get a shock, our nervous system is activated, and then our parts find roles okay. to cope. So we develop parts or our parts become take on extreme roles because we uh, don't get what we need because of uh, activations, external activations. So our parts become a reflection of the nervous system, but then because they contain, they have memory, they will then be looking for more activations that look similar. So they will jump into action and probably drive the nervous system. Um, so it becomes a two way street, I would say. It would yeah I, I agree with that so i agree with that from that perspective which would be the distinction between shock trauma something from the outside happens my nervous system can't re-regulate and something gets stuck in my nervous system yeah. and then my parts develop around that to cope with all this activation that's suddenly there 
compared to I had that happen in childhood. My nervous system has chronic states. I have chronic exiles and parts and pain from my childhood, and they will then get activated by situations in my later life. And it may look like a shock just happened, but yeah. it's actually not that the situation itself was shocking, but my parts reacted to it as though it was. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And of course, there's some fascinating, um, uh, I don't know if you ever saw the film, it was made in 1940 something, it's a black and white movie called, I think it's called Shades of Grey, which is, sounds like the, the other film, but it's not but the it's, same one. But it's it was less, made by the U. <laughs> not fifty. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was made by the U.S. military. It's on the BFI uh, website, I think. Made by the U.S. military, and they they used um, uh, hypnotherapy, which of course is very like IFS, to um, treat uh, soldiers with um, uh, uh, now called PTSD, then called shell, shell shock. shock. Yeah. And what they discovered, amazing discovery way back in the 1940s, was that people, the, the soldiers who were most um, likely to have, because they wanted to know why you all went through the same thing. Why, why are some of you having a problem? Of course, it was to do their childhood experiences. And isn't it tragic, Lucas, that this was known all this time ago, away and the army just shelved it. And why did they shelve it? Because the military gets most of its uh, recruits from families where maybe people have not had the best start because they want to leave and, and go and find a new place to to be um, also because they very they often have less opportunities than yeah. people who come from better families which usually means better socioeconomic etc etc more advantages yeah, yeah exactly so they shelved it and we knew it it was known all that time ago that, that adverse childhood experiences equals um more likely to to um really suffer from traumatic uh, events later in life. Less resilience is just all about resilience. Yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, it's, it's then interesting that I didn't know that beforehand, but I've been following the, the ICD-11 developments with wanting to bring developmental trauma into the ICD-11, and it wasn't developmental trauma in the end, but complex uh, P PTSD. And it's so fascinating that, that lawmakers and these the people who write these uh, these codes are still talking about this as if this was somehow a weird way of looking at humans that what happens in your in your early life impacts your later life yeah. and and it's like no i don't think so i think you have an anxiety disorder <laughs> right. yeah but maybe that is a good uh, transition because um i wonder looking at your at your drawing here, what about attachment? Yeah, <laughs> well, you know, I had a, I had an email from somebody in another country said, oh, because quite a few people have done translations of, of the spiral. And there is a German one, by the way, if I, mm. I don't know if you've got it, but I will send it to you. Um, and uh, I won't say which country it was, but they were so proud of themselves, they put attachment in and I said, sorry, it's <laughs> not right. Because when you, st I mean, at first I thought, oh, yes, I can put a, put attachment in here. But it doesn't neatly sit. Mm -hmm. um, there are parts both in fight flight and in freeze who are doing what they do. The way they operate is either, um, uh, I've lost the word. Um, avoidant. Hmm? 
avoidant? Yes, either avoidant or, isn't it yeah. funny, I, I, the words are completely escaping me right now. Or what's the other one? Um, anxious. Uh, anxious, yes, thank you. So either anxious or avoidant, you've got them in both parts, in both sections. Mm -hmm. And at different ages, we will do different ones. So I can't be an avoidant person because as a baby, I might have tried some anxious. And then, of course, every baby cries until they don't manage to get met and yeah. then their next strategy will be whatever worked at the time and we all have multiple strategies so mm -hmm. as i view attachment not at all in the way that um uh, conventionally it's being put well first it was put into three boxes and then four boxes and i think now there's a model with i think 17 different boxes to try to refine exactly what type pathologizing type mm -hmm. of attachment you are no attachment has two states for me secure enough which means I have a good grounding and I spend a, I can hang out in that green zone. I can come back to it. Secure enough attachment and insecure attachment. That's it. And then that means most of the time I'll be hanging out in the top two zones. Yeah. And, and we can learn secure attachment. That's the great thing. That's what IFS does for us. Yeah. yeah and IFS would even say it as a, we can learn secure attachment number one to ourselves. Yes. And in this case, actually to ourselves. Yes. But then from having that experience and actually reincorporating the self and in my understanding, not just the self, but actually the adult, we can suddenly re-engage in relationships with a completely different ground yeah. and it, it changes the game. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. And we attract different people into our lives. We, we become mm -hmm. friends with different people. We, we pick different partners as, as we gain more connection to self more self attachment yeah mm -hmm. i've remembered and... what i've remembered what i was going to say about the life energy when we were talking earlier <laughs> um a client said to me recently she said wow i've just understood something about your spiral when i feel really connected to self i can feel calm and um, energized. So it's like a flavor of dorsal and a flavor of sympathetic in, in a moderated amounts. And she said, this is what flow means to me. She said, this means I know that this is possible, that the two that I can have both, I can be calm and energized. And this was a totally new state. She'd lived her entire life, pretty much all of it in, in a shutdown state with occasional forays into uh, fight flight and then it was unbearable so she went back into shutdown and, and there she was discovering she could be energized and it could be safe to feel energized yeah. and and it's yeah it's also giving people actually vocabulary because if all i've ever known as calm is not actually calm but yeah. shut down yes which is a very big difference there's a very big difference between i'm truly calm and i'm shut down but I've never had the distinction. It, for me, it has never existed. That's, it's almost impossible to grab at, or, or to understand this, what else is, is possible. So, so then to find words like, oh, it's, it's that thing I know from there, but mixed with that. That's, that's a beautiful way of trying to make sense. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. What, what I was trying to, uh, what I was wanting to say about the attachment thing is, and is, and again, this is the Lawrence Heller perspective would be, 
we don't have one attachment, but it comes down to which of our attachment needs are met how. And that depending on which of our needs are met, we will develop different paths. We will develop different exiles. We will develop different uh, protectors. So if my very early needs are not met, that will mean I will develop way more protectors that are in freeze because that's the only option I have. Yeah. If I wasn't welcome on this planet, I never felt safe. I never felt physically safe and I never learned how to feel these weird body boundaries that we have like what is that then the only option my parts have at that age is to leave because that's the only way they can protect me they can't run away they, they can't yeah. do that yeah and and of course it's what worked at the time mm -hmm. so for one child um they may cry and cry and cry and nobody comes and so it's impossible to keep crying so you have to shut down and that may become be become their, their way of being but if they cry and cry and cry and then somebody finally comes they learn to have a part that's much more what we would call needy you know whingy mm -hmm. and they get that gets labeled but that was what worked for them and so we can see really clearly that our survival uh the way we manage to survive becomes our dominant uh, protectors, but that we'll have different ones and we'll try different ones at different times. And, we'll, and we will um, try different ones in our relationships. So for example, if I'm in a relationship with somebody who is more avoidant, then different parts of me will come into gear. Then, then if they're very anxious, then I might become, then my avoidant parts might take in, because of course, secure attachment isn't possible. So I'm not one thing. It's probably why I didn't remember the words for it because I just I just don't work with those categories. It's either secure enough or insecure. Yeah, yeah. I've I've I had a, quite a time where I tried to understand these these categories of these attachment plans, and I I just never really got them because they didn't. They never. <laughs> in the end, my my result was everybody I know is disorganized. <laughs> <laughs> because that's that's the one where they say oh sometimes they're like this sometimes they're like that yeah. and my that was my result was like everybody i know is disorganized <laughs> yes and then when you learn ifs you go oh that's because we've all got lots of parts <laughs> yeah um, the the other um the other refinement i absolutely love about um and that can quite excite clients when they see this is of course manic depression which now is I don't know what's called in German but um, now it's called bipolar which is a bipolar. bit less helpful because manic depression yellow oh, sorry manic yellow zone depression red zone manic depression just means you're flipping between the two it's just so de-shaming I've had I've had people jump up and down with excitement when they realized that it was parts doing their thing they're not they're not Man mad. manic manic depression means you have, you have either one or a cluster of parts that are very much in red. You have a one or a cluster of parts that are very much in, in, in yellow. And usually they're polarized. Yeah. And you'll flip between the two. And, yeah. and, and that's why it feels so awful because they're each trying to take over. It's yeah. so simple, isn't it? And so, so relieving for somebody who's been given that diagnosis. Yeah, which is, which is another really completely different topic than the spiral but diagnoses are a very interesting topic in, in, in by themselves um i do um 
I would like to maybe talk a tiny bit more about this category of the freeze protectors, because I think it's a it's for people who haven't studied the body much. Um, the looking at freeze as a protective strategy mm. is often a little bit weird. Um, my personal example was uh, a friend of mine was once at a, and she's, she's been done a lot of training in like body-based approaches. And she went to a psychotherapy um, training and they, they asked who here has ever been in freeze. And like of 50 people, there are five people raised their hands. And she was like, I'm in freeze multiple times a day and you all are too. Um, but that understanding of freeze as a normal part of our physiology, that even if we just, I'm really tired and I just zone off for a minute. In one way, that's a form of, of freeze. It's a form of taking a short moment of vacation from myself. And then I, if I'm more or less healthy, I can come back and I can re-regulate. But that understanding of freeze as a protection and as a smart strategy of the body, I think is often under overlooked. Yes. Yes, it's, uh, it, as you say, it's hugely common. And people recognize it in different ways. You know, it's like a little film comes over. Sometimes someone, mm -hmm. a, a client just described it the other day as a piece of, it's like a piece of tracing paper came between me and, and the world or a, a perspex screen like I'm I'm here you know, you know this party but I don't I can't really not connected to anybody and probably there's parts in there feeling an socially anxious but this this perspex screen has come in to just just disconnect me or um or maybe I'm you know with uh, uh I'm on a date and he makes a, a move that feels too fast for my body or too fast for me. I may well submit. I mean, women do this all the time. I don't know. It probably happens a bit less for men because of the cultural way we're expected to lead and follow. But um, just to just to well submit, because maybe I've got parts who um, want the connection. So that part is is that the exile is leading. Maybe I would really love the connection, and so when my body says no, I just it just numbs off, and 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 I do something I don't want to do. Um, uh, when the you know you can put it into normal life when the, the when the boss says um, oh, uh, and of course you can stay late tonight because this needs doing. I want to say no, but I can't say no. A lot of it's to do with saying no. We're conditioned not to say no. You know, when my driving instructor uh, brushes my knee every time he's in the in the car with me, something that happened with me, you know, I was a good girl. I didn't say anything. I didn't know I could say anything. It's a form of freeze. I just swallowed it. So we mm -hmm. swallow, 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 and we'll often feel it in um, in our in our throat if we can't speak, or we'll feel it. Uh, often there's clenched jaw people have a lot of tmj problems clenched jaw because the rage the, the no can't be spoken we have so many freeze parts that we don't see and i think that's actually one of the most um revealing things when i start working with people in detail especially if they live much more in the must i must zone they're more hyper vigilant anxious type um uh to discover those freeze parts that were never seen because it's very clear when you live, live more of your life in the freeze, you're going to have to come down. 
then I really began to realize if we're living more of life in the in the fight flight, we need to discover those freeze parts too, those parts that we may not even know. I didn't know I was a people pleaser. I thought I was actually quite bossy, you know, but actually those people pleaser parts are also there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, whenever we have one side of the polarity, we usually have the other side too. It may be smaller, it may be less active, but it exists. Yeah. And depending on the situation, it it will come up. Yeah. So, yeah, the the getting to know the different layers. But, um, oh, you said something I forgot. <laughs> we were both forgetful, huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's because we're human. <laughs> that is that is true. Um, yeah, you you were talking about the the submitting and the just kind of giving in and the thought that came to me, which is one of those um, really deep principles that we're trying to re teach people in the body-based approach is when we, when we overlook the first boundary somebody has, and the first boundary is often very small. It's often, it's often a small twitch, a small, there's some energetic shift happening. I get closer to somebody and suddenly something gets a little bit more blurry. Um, it's it's almost impossible for people to set the second, third, fourth, fifth boundary until they're really, really, really in, no, this is too much. But that way, also in body work, it's so easy when we've taken that first step to take quite a few more because then the submit parts are, are very much there and the protectors that go, okay. Yeah. And it yeah. can end in, I'm completely frozen, I'm completely collapsed and it can be more subtle and so at some point in time we explode outwards and a and a, a fixed protector takes over again yeah yeah i think it's it can be hugely confusing for somebody who thinks they are assertive you know because they've been mostly in fight flight all their life they mm -hmm. think they're assertive to discover this the parts of their body, of their psyche that were saying no, 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 no. And, and they never knew it was there. And so we have to slow down to that for that. And of course, slowing down is unbearable because of course that's why um, one of the reasons that we end up in fight flight because going to, to, um, to freeze feels like going closer to death and that's mm -hmm. not okay. So we have to, the only way to cope is to do, do more, do, 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 do for, for, um, for the fixed parts. Yeah. And when you speak about slowing down is unbearable, um, um, the question to me is, so we've mostly talked about protectors today because they are mostly the parts we interact with at first and that run our life. But the exiles, where do they come into this whole story? And also where do they come into the more body-based, a nervous system-based perspective you have. Yeah. Well, if I'm living my life in an, in the I must, in hypervigilance, hyperarousal, then those exiles that got pushed away, if I slow down, I'm going to start feeling them. Mm -hmm. There's space for them to come up. And if I come out of my more numb place, I'm going to start feeling them. So the protectors, as we know, is all about keeping them away. 
if we and we need enough and, and that's why I, why I, what i think is one of the most important things about ifs and and it's unlike the therapies i trained in the the psycho the uh, the hypnotherapy the um the trauma constellations they would often go straight to the exiles it's really mm-hmm. not safe and the ifs trainers who say whoa just hang out with the protectors for as long as we need to and that can be can be a long time until it's safe to go and we have ways as you know in ifs to make sure that just let the exiles know we're coming but this is too soon and they can get huge relief by just knowing we we know they're there and we are coming and, and we don't want anybody to get overwhelmed so we're going to deal with some of these and chat to some yeah. of these other parts and the exiles can be super happy with that yeah. yeah we can promise we're coming even though we cannot say when but yeah. but we can promise we will yeah, and then they have real hope that someone knows they're there. And they can sit with that very often. Yeah. It's it's almost if if I if I think visually about the map, it's almost like between between the yellow and the red, it's it's like there's a space that we can just fall into. And then then I that's where it. we land with the that's yeah. where we land with the exiles. Well, I'm actually creating a, a map of the resilient of, of a resilient system. So this is the this map is the traumatized system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the resilient system, it looks exactly the same, except the exile circle is down in the in the green. Mm. So the exiles don't go away. And, and well, it's not exactly the same. That's not true, actually, because a lot of the protectors are, 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 are calmer as well. And it shows much more the, the, the functions of of how we protect ourselves that we don't get stuck in. So I'm not stuck in ADHD. I just run away or, or you know, it's it's different. But basically, the exiles, they, they don't they still exist. We still we still got damaged. We still got hurt and they will still get activated. Our, our shame will still get activated, for example. But it's a uh, there's shame resilience now. Mm-hmm. we can we can be in contact with self so it brings the the, the exiles they're no longer exiled are hurt are damaged parts the wounds are closer to self in connection with self yeah mm-hmm. and it's often they get in, in my experience they often get smaller but yes. at least the ones i carry that are that feel like they're filled with substance like that's that's what i liked about your drawing i'm not sure they ever will go away completely no. But no, if we've got a wound, there's a scar there, and, 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 and there is. But as you say, they get smaller because more of that energy, you know, I, I, I was so caught up in, in, in feeling grief that I couldn't play. So now I can play. So there's much more of that available. That, as you say, the life energy, the child energy that's within mm-hmm. us all, the child and adult energy, you've got the adult energy in self, you've got the child energy, a lot of it locked up in the exiles. It's now available in that green zone to flow and enjoy and play and be creative and connected and all those exciting things that we love to do yeah i i'm very curious i would like to to see that map when mm-hmm. when you're ready to share it with the world um maybe as a last kind of bigger topic for today um what's your perspective on the on somatic and physical regulation also within the IFS um, process, because 
I know that some IFS uh, trainers kind of look at it as you shouldn't do that because that, that signals to the part, I, we, I want you to go away. Whereas my sense is it really depends on the intention we do it with. I have discovered that I can use all the somatic experiencing, whatever tools I've ever learned. And, um, and when, I, when I use them with myself, but also with, with clients, with an intention of this is to help you to be here and to then reconnect with the parts, I, I don't really have any problems with that. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious what your experience with that is. Yeah. Well, my experience is that when I'm with somebody who is very dysregulated, I will need to lend self. I will need to be the the um, uh, the adult, if you like, the, the 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 attachment figure for a while. As we know, this is official in in this is official IFS uh, um, policy. IFS dogma. Like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, where we we lend self as the as the therapist. So sometimes, mm -hmm. if somebody's very dysregulated, then I will say, you know, what what color are my earrings today? And just get them to, you know, just just find find a way to just bring them into the present. And, and so actually, you're not just lending self, but you're also lending green, in that case. Yeah, yeah. And um, and then, of course, the intention exactly as 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 you would do with the IFS, and is that you bring it more and more to for them to do it for themselves. So then I would say. Um, if you notice yourself just getting dysregulated, you know, what, what, what does that part, how would that part like it? And often the, the child part might love them to teach them to breathe, to do long, slow out breaths. And the child part adores it when the, when the adult, the client adult teaches them yeah. that sits with them and breathes. So they're doing it for themselves. Yeah. Um, because of course we needed to be taught that by our parents, how to regulate ourselves. And um, sometimes we need that. So the reassurance is both um, verbal and, and physical. Yeah. And actually sharing the tools to yeah. be able to, to do it with, with the client's self. Also with, in my, in my understanding, the healthy parts, that actually our healthy parts can learn these tools. Because I think a lot of times the things we learn are actually our healthy parts learning things. Yes. Um, and then through that, we can actually find new ways of interacting with the rest of the system. If I can connect with my parts and help in need with my activated parts through my breath, that has both an impact on my physiology, but also an impact on, and I'm breathing to that part. Yes. I can actually do two things at once rather than saying, no, no, the only right way is to connect with the part or no, no, we have to regulate the body first and then we can connect with the part. Yeah. It's, we can do both simultaneously. Yeah. Yeah. So I like to offer a choice. What would you like now? You know, would, so I offer a choice to the client and by regulating themselves, by learning to regulate themselves, they're doing what, um, what a parent would do. You know, if a, if a two year old is having a tantrum to be able to, as you say, it's the intention, you know, I'm not, yeah. I don't want to shut this child down. And they're really angry, so I'll witness their anger. Gosh, you're really angry, aren't you? Here, have a pillow. Do you, would you like to pummel your hands on this? You know, because I don't want you to hurt your hands. That's what the parent's thinking. But, but, but my invitation is: let's find a way for you to express your anger because you're two and you're supposed to be doing this. You know, this is a de developmentally appropriate that you have a tantrum. So your no is welcomed. Your anger is welcomed, and all parts are welcome. 
So I think it's entirely appropriate to uh, offer physical um, ideas. It may never have been modeled. If you've been shut down for being angry, having that modeled, having that welcomed can be physical as well as emotional. Yeah. And having welcoming the part, but also welcoming the self. And that, that the, yes, I can use physical tools to express the part, but I can also use physical tools to invite the self. And it can be both. Yeah. We, we can have both of those. Yeah. And so choice is a lot of it. Because of course, you know, a lot of those older body-based um, cathartic processes were, oh, you're angry, hit a pillow. Yeah. <laughs> but then if we include all the parts, there may be some parts for whom there's a huge amount of shame. So then we work with the shame around the anger and it becomes possible to, to let the anger flow at some point. Also, mostly with anger, the fear of the anger. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. So... I want to say thank you very much for this conversation. Do you still have anything that's important for you to share as we, as we close this down? I don't, there's nothing that's, that's really, um, we've covered a lot and I've really enjoyed chewing it over with you. It's been, been great, Lucas. Thank you. Yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed it. And I, I just want to thank you for creating this resource, for making it available. And um, yeah, I do think it's a, it's a very powerful map that can both open the parts work to people who work more somatically but also open the somatic world yeah. to those to those who are more in the parts world yeah maybe that's something i would say that another way it's been used clinically is very much for therapists to be aware of their own regulation or dysregulation when working with clients mm -hmm. And also be able to use, because I trained as a hypnotherapist, so we were trained to look at the flushing of the skin or the, the tearing in the eyes, the very little things happening, the breath, and that doesn't necessarily happen in psychotherapy. So um, to be able to see what state your client might be in, to be able to work with whatever parts, to kind of, you're a parts detector, as you know, as, a, as an IFS therapist. So, so to become a parts detector through the body as well. Mm -hmm. And then um, to be able to use it for ourselves to regulate ourselves discovering what our parts want and yeah i just it's my social justice parts that that want want everybody to afford therapy because you know we live in a traumatized world <laughs> many many people um a huge proportion of the world have have trauma unresolved trauma and um to be able to produce something that is just free and makes sense to people, you know, I get emails from people every week, I'll get a few emails from people saying, oh, I just found this and it makes sense. I understand, you know, uh, what a relief. And people from other types of therapies, you don't have to be IFS as long as they have some idea of parts or whatever. Yes, this works with my model too. And mm -hmm. it gives me great delight that I've put something in the world that is free and a resource. Uh, makes me happy. Yeah. Thank you very much. Real pleasure. Lovely to meet you, Lucas. You never, you never know what's around the next corner.